I want to invite you this morning to turn in your Bibles with me to the book of 1 Samuel chapter 4. 1 Samuel chapter 4, we're going to read from verse 1 to verse 11. We are concluding a series that we started at the beginning of the year titled Better, in which we are talking about how you and I know Christ more in the year ahead. And so today we're going to focus on yet another aspect of this journey of becoming better in our walk with the Lord, in going deeper in our relationship with Christ. But before we get to that, I want to quickly just remind you that if you've missed any of our previous messages, perhaps you were not able to be with us for whatever reason, um, encourage you to uh, listen to previous messages on our weekly sermon podcast. The way you can access that is by scanning the QR code that's on the back of the worship guide, and it'll take you right to our our, our podcast where you can listen to not only the last uh, several messages in, th- in this series, but all the messages that have been presented in, in, the, in the weeks and years past. Uh, perhaps the, 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 the Lord will minister to you through one or, or more of these different messages that are available to you. Uh, but uh, as a quick recap of what we've talked about over these last several weeks, uh, in week one we learned that you and I best love God by expressing affection for Him with our entire being. Again, Jesus was asked the question, what is the most important command in the scriptures or in the, in the law? And his response to that question was, you are to love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. In other words, our response to God is meant to involve and engage every aspect of our lives. It is not that we give God a part of our lives and then we keep a part to ourselves because we don't think it's any of his business or he doesn't, have any, he doesn't need to be involved in that aspect of our lives. No, we give all of our lives to him. Every aspect of our being we give to the Lord. This is how we best express our love for Him. Two weeks ago, we learned that we are to we, that we are able to resist giving into sinful, selfish desires by developing an appetite for God's Word. The psalmist made it clear when he says, uh, when he writes, "Your Word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against You." He, he, what he's stating is, is that the Word of God, uh, the, the truth found in the, in the pages of Scripture, serve as a guard and a guide to not only help direct our steps so that the decisions and choices that you and I are making are in alignment with God's will for our lives, but also that, it, that, that the Word of God serves as that way, as that, that protection against uh, the, 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 the temptation that the enemy tries to uh, bring into our lives to cause us to sin against the Lord. Our ability to resist those sinful, selfish desires and appetites that we experience every single day is based on the, the appetite we develop for God's Word and, and, and how much we allow the Word to fortify our lives. Last week we learned that you and I trust God, uh, that, that when we go through times of, of difficulty, times of hardship, times of discouragement, that we can trust God to give us what we need. Um, I remember when I first came to faith in Christ, in my mind, it made sense that as a Christian, I shouldn't even have to go through any struggles or challenges, right? But that's not what Christ said or would happen. He said in this world, we will have trouble. Everybody say trouble. He said in this world, we're going to have difficulties. But he didn't just leave us hanging because what, what, would it, what, what point would it be for him to tell us what we already know? The Bible says that every man born a woman, is, their days are filled with trouble, from the moment that we are born and that, I don't know if they still do this, when the doctor, when the baby is taken out of the womb and the doctor smacks the baby in their behind. I mean, from the moment we are born, we, we face trouble, we face difficulties, we face things that, that we don't like or we don't enjoy, we're not necessarily comfortable with. But the promise that he has made to us is this, he has overcome for us. 
And what that says to you and me is this, that I'm not in this alone. When I go through hardships, God allowed it for a reason. God wasn't asleep. He, he, didn't, he, didn't, he didn't go on vacation and, and, and while he was gone, things just started to unravel in my life. There are things that God does allow, but it's not so he can watch and see how much we're going to suffer. Or to see a struggle, God takes no pleasure in our struggle or suffering. In the same way that a parent would never take pleasure in watching their child struggle, they will step up and help that child. How much more a perfect Holy Father. He won't leave us in our affliction, but He has promised that He will help us through the affliction. And, and I've always come to see difficulties as an opportunity for me to press into God and to cling to Him and to say, God, you have a reason for allowing this in my life. God, I will follow your lead. Take me through. And I know you're going to bring me to the other side of it victorious. That's the promise He has made to us. And so we can trust Him to always give us what we need to overcome times of discouragement. Today, I want us to look at prayer as an expression of our growing relationship with Christ. And I want to ask this quick question this morning. Has there ever been a time when you felt, you felt like your prayers were either cliche or they were monotonous or perhaps they were always focused on something that you wanted? I think part of that growing in our walk with Christ is, where we, is, is learning that prayer is not me, as it were, figuratively rubbing a magic lamp and saying, you know, God, I need my three wishes for today. No, that prayer is meant to be an exercise of a deeper relationship with God. It's not meant to be us coming to God with a laundry list of things we need Him to do now, you know, because, because the reality is, is this is not what God exists for. He's not, our, he's not our concierge, he's not, our, he's not our, our gopher that whenever we have things we need taken care of that, that we just go to him and he just has to do those things. No, there is so much more to God than, than, than just what he does for us. And, and too often, you know, we, we, we struggle, especially early in our walk with the Lord, making sense of this exercise or experience called prayer and understanding that it's not about asking God to do this, this, and this for me, but it's about me seeking Him and seeking a deeper relationship with Him. Talking about shallow prayers, I wanted to share with you a, a, a quick uh, story that I came across. Not necessarily a story, but more, it was more uh, really an article uh, Fran Tarkenton was a former All-Pro quarterback who led his team to three Super Bowl uh, championship games. And, and one year he wrote an article for the Wall Street Journal in which he criticized himself and other, other athletes for what he called shallow prayers. And this is what he was talking about. On three occasions, he, he, he led his team to the Super Bowl and on every one of those during every one of those games, Tarkenton said that he prayed that God would intervene in the outcome of the game. He wanted God to give his team a victory. He played against the Miami Dolphins. He played against the Pittsburgh Steelers. He played against the Los Angeles Raiders. Of course, they weren't the Los Angeles Raiders. Well, they weren't the Oakland Raiders as they are now. They were the LA Raiders then. And every one of these games ended up in defeats. Tarkenton said that he, he wouldn't have cared so much about losing to the Dolphins or to the Steelers, but the one he had a problem with was the, was the Los Angeles Raiders. Because at that time, they were considered the villains of the NFL. And in his mind, there is no way there's any Christian on that team. So why would God give them victory on the, on, on the, on the field of play? So as far as he was concerned, because he was a Christian and because he knew other Christians on his team, he expected that God would give them victory. And again, like it was with the game against Miami, like it was with the game against Pittsburgh, so against the Raiders, they lost. And then Tarkenton goes on to write about how 
before every game, no matter what team he was on at the time, the coach would always ask the most spiritual person on the team to say a prayer. <laughs> and then they prepped to take the field. But listen to what they would say as they prepared to take the field. They had just had this, this devoted time in praying and seeking God as they get ready to go to play. And then every one of the, the teammate, teammates to a man would shout in unison, now let's go kill those blankety blanks. They just pray. And now they're telling, let's go kill <laughs> that opponent. Shallow prayers. Here's the problem. Many times people see prayer as, as, as an opportunity for you to just present a wish list. We're asking for stuff. That's what they consider prayer to be. But like I said, there's so much more to prayer than just asking for things. Prayer is about engaging our Father and seeking His face and, and growing in relationship with Him. Uh, there's a book named The Pilgrim's Progress. If you've never read that book, I would encourage you to read it. It's a great book. It talks about the disciplines of our faith and growing in our relationship with the Lord and going beyond shallow, superficial, surface, uh, surface walk with the Lord. John Bunyan is the name of the author, and this is what he wrote. I want to share with you what he says about prayer. He says this. He says, real prayer is a serious concern for we are speaking to the sovereign lord of all the universe who was willing to move heaven and earth in an in answer to sincere and reasonable prayer and then this is how he concludes he says prayer is not a mechanical duty but prayer is in fact a wonderful opportunity for you and i to develop a loving and caring relationship with this is how he describes god the most important person in our lives he says prayer is how you and I engage this relationship that God has invited us into through the, through the, the provision, a provision that was made possible through the sacrifice of Christ on the, on, on the cross. Prayer is how we engage God. And, and all too often, there's a tendency for us to sometimes see prayer as a means to getting what we want from God rather than as an expression of a growing walk with the Lord. My goal this morning is to challenge you to see prayer as not something you do because you need something from God. The reality is that everything you need, He already knows you need them. So prayer was never meant to be a vehicle for getting what you want as if God does not already know what you need. But prayer was meant to be an opportunity for you as His son, as His daughter, to engage your Heavenly Father. And to, and, to, and, to, and to spend time with your Heavenly Father, to, to speak to your Heavenly Father, to, to bear your heart to your Heavenly Father, to be honest and transparent with your Heavenly Father, to not pretend in your Heavenly Father's presence, but that in that encounter with Him, that He will pour into you. He speaks into your life. He encourages you. He builds and strengthens your faith so that when you leave that encounter, that momentary encounter, not again that you leave God's presence, but that when you are, when you are out and about, you're doing your thing, that you have that assurance that you're not alone in this journey. That he's with you, he's leading you. And, and very quickly, I want to share with you from the book of 1 Samuel a, a, a scenario where we see the people of Israel, not necessarily with prayer, but they take a, a spiritual experience, or a, in this case, a spiritual symbol, and in their minds, they think that it is enough for them to appropriate this spiritual symbol to get what they want from God, even though their hearts were far from him. I'm not going to have time to read the scripture itself, but I'm just going to give you a summary of what, what, what the scripture tells us. The Bible says that at a time in Israel's history, they went to war against the Philistines. There was a period before uh, the kings were established, you know, when it was the judges that, that, that led the people, um, that, that the people of Israel would, were constantly in just wars with, with the Philistine nation, just constant antagonists. Um, you know, 
antagonistic relationship that these two, these two uh, people groups had. And so, uh, you know, as, as usual, they were engaged in war once again. But this time, the Bible says that when they first went into battle against the Philistines, that the Israelites lost, and so great was their loss that 4,000 soldiers died that day. 4,000. Now, you would have thought that these men, these individuals, these, the leaders of Israel would have, would have regrouped and said, you know what? We, we are God's covenant people. Why did this happen? Because, because our history has always been that when we go into battle, God has gone before us. God has gone with us. God has given us victory. Why is this different? Rather than do that, right? rather than try to figure out what it is that, may, that may, they may have done to, to contribute to their, their defeat for, for their lack of God's favor in their lives, what they decide is, you know what, we're going to take that ark, the ark that represents the presence of God, the power of God, the, 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 the work of God amongst his people. We're going to take that ark and we're going to take it into battle. And, and, and it was this impression that by taking that ark into the, into the battlefield, that somehow it would, it would force God to give them victory. And so they did. And the scripture says they went into battle, and, they, and, and as, as, they, as, the, as the ark was brought into the battlefield, the, people, the armies of Israel began to, to, to scream in, 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 in joy because the ark was there, right? In their minds, the presence of God is there because the ark is there. And when the Philistines see or they hear the jubilation and they discover that the ark is in the midst of the people of Israel, initially, Scripture says that they are afraid. They are saying to themselves, the God of the Israelites is among them. And so in their minds, they think they're going to lose because that was what history said. But for whatever reason, they determined they were not going to go down without a fight. And they mustered and they rallied one another and they went against the Israelites and they resoundly defeated the Israelites so that, remember I told you 4,000 died in the first one? <laughs> 30,000 died in this one. If they had not gotten the message that they had lost God's favor in that first battle, God made it abundantly clear. 30,000 men lost their lives in this next battle. And then to boot, the ark, the very thing that they believed represented the presence of God and that would assure them of victory was taken. Scripture will let, let it tell us in, in later in that chapter that when Eli, who was the judge at the time, when he got word that uh, not only had two of his sons who were ungodly men, they were priests, but they were very ungodly men, had um, been killed. But more importantly, when he heard that the ark was taken, Scripture says that he was so overcome by the shock of what he had heard that he fell backward and he broke his neck and he died. It, it was such a dramatic you know, display of, of, of the, the, the disfavor that God showed the people of Israel. Why? Because even though they were, they were good at you know, you know, carrying out those religious outward expressions, their hearts were so far removed from God. God wanted them to understand, listen, it doesn't matter what you do on the outside. If my heart, if, you're, if, if, if I don't have your heart, then, then, then I'm not with you. I'm not on your side. In the same way, the, and this is the spirit of, 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 of this, is what, this is why I use this story as an illustration for what we're talking about regarding prayer. In the same way, we can take prayer as a tool that we use for God to do things for us. I've seen, I've heard people who I know are not living for the Lord, and yet they will throw a prayer in there, almost as if in their mind they've used the magic word to guarantee them of success. It doesn't work like that. How can we expect God to bless our mess? 
How can we expect God to bless us when we are willfully walking in sin? How can we expect God to show us favor when we are deliberately choosing to walk in rebellion against his will, where we are saying to God, God, I don't, I don't want what you want for me. I don't want your will. I don't, I don't have a desire for you. And yet we want God to bless us. It doesn't work like that, brother and sister. At, 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 the, at the core of our interaction with God is a relationship with him. It is the relationship that serves as the foundation for our experience with the Lord. Everything else, friends, is built off of that. And if we don't have a relationship, then why do we expect his blessing? Just because you used Jesus' name, but yet your heart is far from him. Remember, he said, he's going to say to many, I, did not, I do not know you. They'll say, I did this in your name, I did that in your name, but he's going to say to them, I do not know you. So it's more than just using or invoking his name or, 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 or doing what on the outward seems spiritual. Does he have your heart? That's the question that every one of us as believers must ask ourselves. Because as I said again, prayer is not a tool to get what you want from God. It's, an, it's a way to express a growing walk with him. I don't have a lot of time this morning, but I want to quickly just share with you three things that I want to leave you with. Hopefully we'll challenge you as we consider prayer as an expression of a growing relationship with Christ. The first thing that I would call it the evidence of prayer as an expression of a growing relationship with Jesus is this is that we have a growing desire to be in his presence. Prayer is about engaging God. That when I pray, that it's because I want to I spend time with him. Again, it's not about me coming to God with a list of things that I need him to do, but it's about saying, God, I just want to spend time in your presence this morning, or this afternoon, or this evening. You know, it was the psalmist that said, early in the morning will I rise up and seek you. Not seek what you're going to do for me. He said, I'm, I'm coming to seek you. I'm coming. So in other words, the, the psalmist is expressing a desire for God, for his presence. The one thing I want, Psalm 27 verse 4 says, from God, the thing I seek most of all is the privilege of meditating in his temple, living in his presence every day, delighting in his incomparable perfections and glory. God's desire is that you and I see prayer as, as the opportunity for us to be with him to spend time with him, to, to, to speak to him, to talk to him about the things that are going on in our lives and, and, and to express our gratitude for this relationship. He's invited us into a relationship that is producing change and transformation in our lives, but it must be based off of a desire for him. Do you desire God when you seek him in prayer? Do you desire his presence? Do you desire for him to reveal himself to you? Do you desire for him to come into your world and to envelope your life and to, and to transform you from within? Do you desire God? That's what prayer is meant to be, a vehicle, an expression of our desire for his presence. But not only that, prayer is meant to be an expression of, of, of our commitment to, to put our lives in his hands. That when I pray, I'm acknowledging, God, the reason I seek you, the reason I come to you is because I trust nobody else better than I will trust you. Again, the psalmist says in Psalm 25, verse 1 to 2, Lord, I put my life in your hands. I trust in you, my God, and I will not be disappointed. One of the translations says, those who put their trust in the Lord will not be put to shame. It is this idea that, that you recognize that there is no one else that, I, that is more reliable than God, no one else that is more dependable than God, no one else that is more faithful than God is. And so I would rather put my life in His hands than in anyone else's. And so prayer is that opportunity for me to engage God and to acknowledge God. Father, thank you 
that I get to put my life in your hands. Thank you that I get to trust you. And I, and I'm, 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 I, have, I, I live with the conviction that that trust is not unfounded. The evidence of a growing walk of Christ that motivates us to pray is because we trust nothing and no one else more than we do him. And here's the third point. The evidence of a growing walk with Christ is a conviction to align ourselves with him because we believe that he knows and that he has what is best for us in mind. Amos 3 verse 3 asks this question because again it speaks to this idea of relationship. The question the prophet asks is this. He says, do two walk together unless they have agreed? In the context of a relationship with God, it's not that God forced us into a relationship with him. God invited us into relationship with him. We chose to say yes to that invitation. We chose to embrace God fully by yielding our lives completely to him to say, God, have your way in me. God, there is no greater relationship that I need to have than a relationship with you. There, there is no greater transformation that, 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 that will happen is possible in my life unless it's one that is initiated by you. And so we, we willingly give ourselves to him and we say, God, everything that represents you, everything that, 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 that speaks to you, that speaks to your purpose, that speaks to your plan, that speaks to your will, God, I want in my life. And so we make that conscious choice, that conscious decision every single day to align ourselves with him. Listen, brother and sister, when you are praying, this is what you are doing. You're essentially saying, God, not my will, but your will be done. Jesus modeled that for us when he taught us how to pray. He made it clear that prayer first is the basis of prayer is that relationship that you and I have with God. But ultimately, it's about us saying, God, I submit fully and completely and totally to you. When we pray, again, it's not about us saying, God, let my will be done here on earth. But it's saying, God... Considering the totality of my life, I want your will to be done. Whether it's in my job, whether it's in my relationship, whether it's in my community, whether it's, whether it's with my dreams, my desires, my aspirations, God, I want every aspect of my life to bring glory to you. And that we submit ourselves fully and completely to that. I want to challenge you. If prayer for you has been nothing more than you coming to God with a laundry list, friend, you're missing out. There is so much more to engaging God and just simply coming to him with a list of things you need him to do for you. God wants to speak to you. God wants to engage you. God wants to pour into your life. God wants to, God wants to enrich your life because of your knowledge of him. But it's not something that he will force us to do. He invites us to do it. So in this year, 2024, I want to challenge you with something. Commit. Go beyond committing. Determine that you're going to go deep in your prayer walk with the Lord. In fact, I will challenge you for the next several weeks, not even next, let's just start with one week. For this week, when you spend time with the Father in prayer, don't ask for anything. Don't ask Him for anything. Because remember, He already knows what you need. Do you, do you, do you realize that this morning? It's not that God suddenly finds out that you need X, Y, and Z because you're telling Him. He already knows what you need. But I want to challenge us. If we're going to move past this mindset of seeing prayer as us coming to God with what we want Him to do for us, Let's choose that every time we engage him in prayer, even if it's for five minutes, we're not asking him for anything. As far as for us, all we're asking him is, God, help me to know you more. God, reveal yourself to me. God, give me a, give me a, give me a heart after you. 
Give me desires that align with your will. God, help me to, to discover my purpose, the purpose you have for me. And God, give me the grace and strength to live up to that purpose today, every single day. Don't ask God to do this for you, to do that for you. All, you simply, all I simply challenge you to do is just make yourself available to him and say, God, have your way. And I truly believe, brother and sister, that if we will do that, we are going to see God do some things in our lives that you and I couldn't even imagine asking for. Why? Because God already knows what we need. But what he's asking is, are we willing to give ourselves fully, completely to him? Prayer is meant to be an expression of a growing relationship with the Lord. Not for you to be asking him for things. And God's desire is to take us deeper in our walk with him. To take us, to bring us into a, 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 a more vibrant relationship with him. Where again, our view of God is not that he exists for me, but that I exist for him. To know him, to walk with him, to have a deep relationship with him. That's the invitation to us this morning. And I would say, if you're here this morning, you don't have a relationship with Christ, I want you to know that the most important decision you can ever make is to surrender your heart to the Lord and to say, come and live in me. The Bible says, the Bible makes it clear that all of us are condemned because of our sin. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. But again, God doesn't just leave us with the bad news. He brings good news. He says, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. What does that mean? That when Christ came 2,000 years ago, he came for you and he came for me. He came because we had a sin problem that we could not resolve. My, the, the debt I owe God, this debt of righteousness was not a debt I could pay because I am, I am not righteous. I'm not a righteous man. No matter how much I want to do good, even Paul said it, the, the good I want to do, I don't do. The things I should do, I, the, the things I should not do, I do do. Paul is saying that, that in and of myself, I am incapable of living up to the standard that God has set. And because of that, I am condemned. But thank God for the cross. Jesus came and he gave his life. And by pain with his life, he satisfied God's righteous requirement for sin. So that those who believe in him, those who put their trust in him for forgiveness of sin will be forgiven. For salvation will be, will be born again. For those who, who, who wonder what will happen past this life, that we have that assurance that, that, when we live this, that, that when this life is over, we know we're going to spend eternity with Him. Why? Because we have given ourselves fully and completely to Him. And that's my invitation to you this morning. If you're here and you don't, you don't have a relationship with Christ, you can invite Him into your heart and make Him the Lord of your life and acknowledge that what Christ did on the cross, He did for you. Put your faith and trust in His finished work on the cross and allow God to change your life like only He can.